Welcome everyone to Small Talk, our small world podcast for teachers. This week I'm happy to welcome our conversation partner, Kevin Morangi. Hi, Kevin. Hi, how are you? Good. Kevin, will you tell all of our listeners what you do at Avenues? Of course. Um, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me and for having me on. Um, so I am the director of Global Journeys at Avenues, and that's the department that plans, supports the planning and uh, implementation of all of Avenue's uh, international experiential education. Cool. Um, yeah. Good. Um, Global Journeys, tell us all about it. Global Journeys is um, programming at Avenue's for students that helps us realize this, this mission mm -hmm. of, you know, developing what is future worldwide leaders uniquely equipped to understand and uh, solve global scale problems. So it is one of those venues at this school that is a really practical way to do that, giving students um, the opportunity to go outside the classroom, way outside the classroom, yeah. <laughs> and you know delve into some of these thematic global issues, work with their peers around the world on figuring out solutions, because all of the issues that we see impacting you know, folks in China, folks in Senegal, folks mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. all of these issues are quintessentially global issues. So giving our students a chance to grapple with them and at the same time expand their language skills, mm -hmm. uh, build cross-cultural competence, and then think about how they engage with communities abroad. Um, what we like to say is we want our students to engage uh, ethically, mm -hmm. sustainably, uh, and thoughtfully and then you know come back and see how those issues that they're exploring manifest at home and take action for social impact on those issues. Awesome. Um, who participates? Students so, and teachers like how are those people how do they come to be in Global Journeys? So we have a program proposal process that's open to um, faculty staff and students. Okay. And actually we run that simultaneously as we're running the current year's programs mm -hmm. so uh, hopefully uh, <laughs> that that email will be going out to the entire community before spring break um, I, I say hopefully because things are a bit, a bit busy right now yeah. but before spring break we'll send out that call for proposals we'll lay out the benchmarks that we're looking for some of those components that I, I mentioned um, a, a second ago mm -hmm. um, cultural competence, language, uh, grade level, global thematic issue, how kids are going to bring the, the learning back. We lay all those out and give faculty, staff, and students spring break to get inspired uh, mm -hmm. as, as they recharge. And soon after spring break, um, we'll receive all the proposals. We'll set up a committee to look over them. Yeah, we'll be looking over proposals from Avenue Sao Paulo as well. Oh, fun. And, and you know, navigating Good some combined morning. programs. Oh, there's an announcement. Day because we have new We're going to listen. Joining us for Revisit Day. It's Revisit Day. Yes. I'm making an announcement. Amanda, Amelia, and they're saying the names of the visitors. It's all part of the fun of being on campus, right? Yes. <laughs> Is that you get these pleasant interruptions. I was just speaking to some of these parents this morning. Oh, good. Yeah. You're a good selling point for the school. <laughs> Your program is, it really is. I'm sure they want to hear from you. We're excited to have you here and hope you have a great day. We're excited to have you here. So, okay, th so then we, um, 
set up a committee and look over the proposals and you know we have kind of a predetermined capacity or number of programs that we think is optimal for the school given what we can handle from a capacity perspective and also you know the a critical mass of students mm -hmm. that need to be on campus during mini master for example or yeah. fifth term and then we announce the selected programs and those proposers become instructors um, the faculty who proposed become instructors if it's student proposed we work with the students to develop the program and identify instructors um, so we usually have our sweet spot in terms of program size is mm -hmm. maybe 12 to 15. Mm -hmm. Some programs are really popular, so we've gone 12 to 15 locations. Students, oh, students, students per yeah. trip. Okay. Yes, sorry, I should have clarified. Yeah, okay. 12 to 15 uh, students mm -hmm. per program, and then given some of the programs uh, end up being really popular, we've gone upwards of 18. Okay. We've also gone up to 24. Oh, wow. Uh, and the ratio of instructors to students is 6 to 1. Okay. Um, number of programs at the start of this year, things have changed slightly yeah. uh, given global realities at the moment. I think we had about 14 programs, mm -hmm. including our uh, cross-campus exchanges, 14 programs out of New York mm -hmm. um, and 10 out of Sao Paulo. Okay. Yeah. So even say if I was a teacher at Avenues, I have this wonderful idea to travel to a certain part of the world, I could propose it thoughtfully, right? Absolutely. And within the parameters of your team and be selected, hopefully, and be able to lead a team of students to that part of the world. Absolutely. That's what I try to communicate to all faculty and staff. When I'm at HQ, mm -hmm. I, I always tell the folks there on the finance team, on the yeah. accounting team, leadership, you can propose a program yeah. uh, and you can be a part of Global Journeys. Yeah. Uh, typically, it ends up being our faculty because they're so plugged in yeah. um, to the students and what the students are interested in and excited about. So they end up being the instructors. And I should say programming is for 6th through 12th graders, mm -hmm. um, the international programs. Mm -hmm. And we also have um, a 5th grade program to New Orleans, which is, is the perfect, I think, springboard for yeah. what those kids will end up doing in the upper grades, yeah. in the upper division. Yeah, because New Orleans is closer, smaller scale, but sure. also still very meaningful. A lot of robust content there. That one is about uh, exploration of culture and restoration uh, yeah. and working with communities down there, learning about uh, recovery of the wetlands after yeah. Hurricane Katrina, learning about how communities came together um, and how they're building resilience um, yeah. uh, after the storm. So. Yeah. And then, of course, you, in your New Orleans, you have to engage with the culture of that place. It's so yeah. vibrant, so yeah. it's a perfect springboard. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Whenever I introduce the school to parents of one-year-olds that are thinking of enrolling their children in small world, I tell them that the fifth graders go to New Orleans, and that always kind of gets a, a laugh. They think, you know, they're not thinking as deeply as you are. They just think that that's very... Mardi Gras. It's not. That's, Mardi Gras. <laughs> that's not what we do with the fifth graders. Even though we go at a time that's usually pretty close to Mardi Gras and we always have to uh, you know address parent concerns around that <laughs> and tell You're them. You're not going to be in yes. the parade. <laughs> um, okay I'm going to take like a little bit of a pivot. Tell the listeners about yourself. We'd love to learn a little bit more about who you are and your background. Sure. Um, so I am from Nairobi, Kenya, born and raised. Um, Nairobi is 
I, I would recommend anybody visit Kenya uh, and visit Nairobi specifically. It's this bustling, vibrant metropolis um, in, in a country that's kind of the hub of the region. Uh, so Nairobi as a city is a regional hub and, you know, you know we have folks from all over the world in Nairobi. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about uh, not-for-profit um, not organizations, um, the major um, organizations like the UN and these entities that are working on issues in Somalia, issues in um, Sudan, northern Uganda, all their headquarters are in Nairobi. So that kind of creates this very diverse population. Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, it's reflected in the culture of the city. Um, yeah. So that's where I grew up. It was fantastic. But it was also um, growing up at a time when we were an illiberal democracy. We were a dictatorship. Okay. Really. So I think that's what initially just stoked in me this desire to address inequality. You, give me one moment. See, another interruption. <laughs> I'm going to go silence the phone. Go on, tell me more about, tell me more about your upbringing and, and even what brought you here to New York City. Sure, yeah, so, um, you know, I grew up in a um, middle-income family, um, and in Nairobi, it's one of those places, like in many uh, big cities in the developing country, mm -hmm. you see uh, rampant inequality, you see mm -hmm. social stratification, um, and that's heightened in a country that is, is you know, under the administration of a dictator, mm -hmm. um, and so corruption was also rampant. Um, and a lot of us, just being aware of those conditions, I think we were, at least in my family, we gravitated towards social justice and human rights. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the work that I do is almost a familiar tr trait. Ah. Um, I have a sister back home who's an international human rights lawyer. Wow. A sister who works at uh, the UN headquarters okay. back in Nairobi. Yeah. My late sister uh, was an LGBTQ uh, rights filmmaker. Wow. So I think we were all social driven justice. by our upbringing in, in Kenya to address social justice. And yeah. that's what I ended up focusing on when I came to the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, I came to the U.S. for college. Mm -hmm. um, this higher education, when I was graduating from high school, mm -hmm. there were very limited options mm -hmm. and the schools were so tied into the political scene. So. Whenever there was political unrest, the kids were in the streets, uh, rioting and protesting. Wow. So, you know, the universities were often closed. But, but I, you know, the fact that those young people were in the streets uh, fighting for their rights was really inspiring. It's also an education. Yeah, yeah. So I think my, my parents also valued global education mm -hmm. and wanted us to go abroad. They had been here for their higher education okay. at a time when it was not not the the norm yeah. um, so they they had uh, a great sense of value in global education and we were fortunate enough to especially my brother and I um, brother who works at there avenues <laughs> we're fortunate enough to get scholarships to um, come to colleges in New England uh, okay. and I ended up studying political science uh, and economics for my bachelor's degree 
moved to New York, worked here for uh, Prep for Prep mm -hmm. for about three years. There's Prep for Prep students at this school. Uh, what the organization was trying to achieve, um, I think I, I valued um, the mission of the organization. So it was a good three years, fresh out of college uh, job. Yeah. And then I went back to school for uh, my master's degree in international affairs in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And I came back to New York and worked at a nonprofit that kind of melded my professional experience and oh, cool. my, you know, academic work. Yeah. Uh, it was a youth development and human rights education organization okay. called Global Kids. Okay. Worked there for 10 years. Wow. Which is kind of abnormal in this day and age. Uh, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> 10 years. Yeah, uh, I just, I mean, speak about being just valuing the mission of the organization, working with un uh, students from underserved communities, um, using our methodology to address issues like attendance improvement and dropout prevention mm -hmm. by doing these after-school programs on uh, international law and foreign policy and giving students uh, the tools to impact their community, learn about the issues ailing their communities, and take action. Mm -hmm. um, to address those issues. So I did that for 10 years, um, and then I decided to move on, and I found a school that had that at its core, mm -hmm. giving students the tools to address what ails our global communities. And that school was Avenues. And that school was okay. Avenues. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I came to Avenues, um, and I've been designing these programs through help students do just that for the last almost three years. Wow. Amazing. Thanks for sharing about that.